0: wow so much Ruth and Sue for leading us both so well both in very different ways but that's the beauty that reflects our God and I just love the way you communicated the gospel and and led us in worship thank you so much indeed Christ is enough for me amen yes so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2 this morning but just before I start um, I thought it would be a bit bizarre for me to speak without mentioning the the announcement that went out this week. Um, this Sunday for me is a very emotional Sunday. Um, this Sunday is going to be my last Sunday preaching in post, um, and it's just been it's it's been a journey. It's been a journey to say the less, but it's been amazing to know you guys. It's been amazing to to meet you guys and 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 to journey with these amazing elders, pastors, and admin team, you know, I absolutely love them, they've been so good and so loving to me, and I honor you guys, I honor the elders, I honor Nathan and Amy, and I honor Claire, um, Ruth, and Rosalind. I call her Rosalind the prophetess, come on. Um, It's been amazing, and, and I just wanna honor you guys, and I have no doubt that you guys, are going to do great things in the powerful name of Jesus. And so let's 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 turn to to Ephesians chapter 2. Wow. <laughs> I absolutely loved journeying with this. Every time I read it it was like pff, 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 like explosion of revelations and I had I have way too much Notes, way too much that I want to say for the time. And so I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to, to, to be really intentional with, with what I say today and not to take too much time, but just a bit of a background. I love the way this scholar described Ephesians chapter 2. He said that Ephesians chapter 2 is like a spiritual biography. He takes, he takes us on a journey and he takes the church of Ephesus on a journey of how they were before Christ and onto what Christ desires, and, and Christ's goodness, and Christ's salvation, and what eternally, what will happen also, but then also the unity that he wants in Christ. And so, the, the book of Ephesians really has two headings, and the first one is salvation by grace through faith, and that's really on, from verses 1 to 10. And the second is unity and peace Of Christ, hallelujah, which is from verses 11 to 22, which is the end. And so, the salvation through by grace through faith really has two subheadings, which I will break down, and they are helplessness and hopelessness without Christ and hope in Christ. And then the the third has three subsections, which is unity of Christ's people, peace with God. And the implications of our peace with people and with God. So we're going to get straight into it. And so verses 1 to 4, we see that Paul first begins by by explaining where we were pre-Christ, who we are pre-Christ. And he says... I love the way, just before I break that down, I love the way this scholar says, The most vital part of a man's personality, the spirit, is dead to the most important factor in life, which is God. So the most important aspect of man, which is our spirit, is dead to the most important aspect of life, God himself. You see, we were created for him and for his pleasure Hallelujah, and so Paul reminds the church in Ephesus what they were pre-Christ. Now you may be thinking, "What is that?" And we understand what that is from verses one to four. Please, please read it in your own time. Verses, read the whole book, the whole um, chapter. But he says that we were dead in sin and dead in trespasses. Now, just to explain what sin is, sin is going, is doing wrong in our thoughts, in our hearts, and in our actions. In our thoughts, in our heart, and in our actions so it's doing wrong in our thoughts in our hearts and our actions and trespasses is violating the command of God so God has a command who knows that God has a command and it's not our standard it's not the human standard but it's the standard of which God has placed on on, on the earth because he's holy his standard is, is right and it's just and it's what is right and so um, dead in trespasses means that we were not following the commands or, or, or the guidelines or the rules of living that God has for us for our own good. And so Paul points it out that you were dead in sins and trespasses and we were following the course of the world. We were following the prince of the power of the air. It also says in this, in this chapter that we were sons of disobedience. And he says that among whom we all once lived in the passion of the flesh. If you remember, we spoke about the book in, in the book of Galatians, we spoke about that that flesh and we spoke about that spirit. And we spoke about the war between the flesh and the spirit. Now prior to Christ our spirit was dead so all we were doing is we were walking in in that the desires of the flesh so whatever the desire whatever the flesh wanted you to do when it wanted you to eat you'll eat when it wanted you to sin you would sin when it wanted you to, to 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 sleep longer you'll sleep longer so all these things were we were living by the by the ways of the flesh and so But what Christ does is he makes us alive in the spirit. So at least least then we can begin to war against the the flesh. You see, I I love the way um, David says it in Psalms 51. He says, verse five, he says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. In other words, we were born in sin. We, because of the sin that Adam done, we were naturally always going to have an inclination to sin. And so this is the picture that Paul is painting from verses 1 to 4. He's saying, guys, we were all shaped in sin. We have all sinned. This was all our nature prior to Christ. But somebody say, but God. Come on, tap that in the section. Say, but God. And the but God comes in verse verses 4 to 5. Let's turn to that. Verses 4 to 5. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which, which, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Hallelujah. So here we see that God is rich in mercy. God is rich in mercy. Here we have a guilty people who have been disobeying the command of the law. The Lord this um shaped and conceived in iniquity, in other words, born in iniquity, and our, we, we do wrong in our minds, we do wrong in our hearts, and we do wrong in our actions. But God, rich in mercy, decides to step in. And as I was reading this, I was thinking, why? Like, why would you step in when we are doing wrong? Why would you step in, God, when you are holy, when you are other, when you exist, you can exist all by yourself. You don't need any or anyone else or anything else to exist. You, you are self-sufficient. You don't need anybody else. You're not dependent on anyone or anything. In other words, why would you do this? In other words, I'm going to put it plainly. He doesn't need us. So why would you do this, God? Why would you have mercy on the people that are doing wrong against you? and this is why I love this this verse in particular because it says but God rich in mercy now what we have to understand is that that sentence is explaining the nature of God so here we have the nature of God revealed that though he is holy though he is great though he is all powerful and self sufficient and doesn't need us and doesn't require us in order to, to, to live or we don't add anything to him yet still He wants us. Yet still, the All-Sufficient One wants us. And this just blew my mind as I was preparing this morning. It literally brought me to my knees as I reached the revelation and the understanding that the All-Sufficient God, that the Almighty One, despite the fact that He doesn't need me, He wants me. And this made me understand um, Corey Asbury's song in a very new way. And I know he's been heavily criticized (laughs) for for saying that God's love is reckless. but it made me understand what he was saying when he wrote that song, what he was thinking. Because though he doesn't need us, he gave his son to die for, for someone that he doesn't need or for people that he doesn't need. Because he is rich in mercy. Hallelujah. That's good news if I don't know what good news is. That, the, that he would have mercy on us. But here we have, it doesn't just stop there his mercy doesn't just stop there let's turn to verse six and it says and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus let's just read that again and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus you see it's by grace that we have been saved not because of anything that we've done not because of anything that we've that we've that we could have done, or anything like that or could have thought, but because he is gracious in nature, because he is merciful in nature, he has saved us by his grace. But his grace gives us a gift that we don't deserve. That's what grace means, it's favor that is unmerited in other words blessing that we don't deserve a blessing that he don't deserve and so he pours out his mercy on us and he pours out his grace on us and and allows us to be seated with him in heavenly places wow that just blesses my soul to know that the God of all creation allows me to sit with him in the heavenly places that just blesses me and that's one of my favourite verses of scripture that Christ has placed us in heavenly places and the reason for that is because it has it has two meanings one is the blessing that we receive now you see we're dual citizens we are we are we are in this world but we are not of this world we are seated with Christ in heavenly places but what that speaks of that speaks of authority that speaks of positioning that speaks of of access and that speaks of identity and so so here we have that Christ has allowed us to sit in, in heavenly places and to have again what he gave us from the very beginning, which was dominion over the earth. And he gives this to us again, but this time in partnership with him, we can now Pray, and this is what I love about the scripture. This access that we have, this authority that we have, allows us to pray with Him and see heaven and the kingdom of God released on this earth. God wants to release His kingdom, but first, you have to realize that you are seated in heavenly places. You are seated, you are placed and positioned in a seat that allows you to govern and to make declarations upon this earth. You see, if there are things that are going wrong because of the position and the authority and the place of of seating that Christ has placed you in, you can stand and you can look at a situation and say, "Uh uh-uh, not so. This cannot remain this way. But because of my position in Christ, not because of who I am, but by grace through faith, I can speak to situations and pray and intercede and see transformation. This is why I love this verse. It comes alive as we realize that we are seated in heavenly places with Him. What a powerful revelation. But what I also love about this verse is that it also speaks about what is to come and and verse 7 really brings out what is to come and I'll read verse 7 I didn't give this to Sue but I'll just read it out let me just find it oh wow (laughs) that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace In his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. God wants to show us for eternity how great and how kind he is. Wow. Oh, man. So that whenever, so that when we do get to that place in glory in heaven, we will just continually be seeing the kindness and the mercy and the grace of God as he shows us and just lavishes his kindness of us. And it made me understand why the disciples in the book of acts responded the way they did to persecution you see they were willing to suffer in this life because they know that in the life to come what verse seven says is that the exceeding kindness in fact it says that in the book, in the esv version it says the immeasurable kindness of god will be shown to us whoa Let's just take a moment just to, to, I I can't even understand what that means. For me, mercy and grace is great. Like, there's more? There's more. People, we need to know that there's more that God wants to reveal unto us in this life, but also in the life to come. There's more of his love. There's more of his kindness. There's more of his nature that he wants to reveal unto us, his people. God is so good. And in verses 18 and 19, we read of his desire. Let's turn there. Verses 18 and 19, it says, For through him we both, referring to the Jews and the Gentiles, so in other words, all of us in him have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the the saints and members of the household of God. Wow. God has been working for a cosmic reconciliation, a cosmic bringing together of his people. He has united Jews and Gentiles, different nations, different tribes, and we are blessed here at FBC to see many different nations gathered together as we worship on a Sunday. And when we go back to meeting again, we'll see the beauty of our differences again. And that's what Christ wanted, that's what his desire, he wants to unite us as family. And you know, people of God, family is what brings revival. I've been in the book of Acts, so all my references are gonna come from there. I've been reading the book of Acts, and so what I loved about the book of Acts is that just before the power of God filled the place, what it says is that they were all in one mind and in one accord. What is that? For me, another word that represents being in one mind and one accord is family. God is restoring family in His cause in His worldwide church, but also in FBC. God is restoring what it looks like to be family. He's saying we're gonna to eat together again we're going to be at peace with one another we're going to be at joy with one another god is restoring family why because because that family that being of one mind and being of one accord we find out the good news of what that happens in verse 22 we find out the result of of being in one accord in verse 22 let's turn to verse 22 i love This verse, oh my God, you're so good. This means that God is transforming each one of you individually. He's transforming each one of us and working on each one of us into the holy of holies, but also corporately. He's transforming us individually, but also corporately into the holy of holies, his dwelling place through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. Now I know I I, I gave Sue that verse in the Passion Translation, but because I've been studying it in the ESV, that's why I got a bit confused there. So I'm just gonna turn to the ESV and I'm gonna read that verse again in the ESV. Just give my phone a moment while it loads. I love the way the ESV says it, it says, In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place. Oh, my, my. Into a... (laughs) Into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So God is uniting us. Wait, wait, let me let me let me, <laughs> let me go back. Let me go back and let me remind us of the journey that Paul has had us on. So first he reminds us of, of, of who we are without Christ. And that's very important in, in order for us to understand that we are dependent on Christ. That's why we need to pray. That's why we need to fast. That's why sometimes we need to, to go into times of solitude. What is what is solitude? Just separating yourself for 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 an hour just to hear what God is saying and all these other spiritual disciplines so that he might transform us but then we have the good news that he saved us and placed us in heavenly places and that we have been born again we have been regenerated we have been made alive in him but it doesn't stop there then he promotes us into heavenly places And he tells us of the blessings to come. But then he unites us. And I'm going to read the verse again so I can go into it. He says, in him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. God wants to dwell in us corporately. Corporately, what does that mean? It means that whenever we come together, the very presence and the very power of God, in fact, God himself, which is the best thing, Joins us and he is a dwelling place. He is he is resting among us. And what does that mean? Among us. And what does that mean? It means that healing takes place. Sickness cannot be where God is. So God wants to us, God wants it, God wants to be our dwelling place as we meet together because He wants to bring kingdom, His kingdom down to earth. He wants heaven to flow among us. He wants, he wants sickness to, to, to be removed. He wants demons to be evacuated. He wants deliverance to take place. He wants to free the captive. He wants to preach good news to the poor. These are the things that he wants to do among us. And he is uniting us in him so that we may be a dwelling place a dwelling place, not just a visiting place, and that's what church has been for for a while, I'm not just talking about FPC, I'm talking about the, the, the ecclesia, the whole church, the whole body of Christ, sometimes we've just been happy with a little touch and a little taste of his glory, but no God wants to dwell amongst his people, God wants to dwell amongst his people, someone type that in the comments God wants to dwell amongst his people, what does that mean? He wants to be with us, he wants to enjoy life with us, he wants to lead us and guide us he doesn't want to be a a dictator from far but we've seen that god who is rich in mercy rich in grace wants to abide with us ephesians 2 is a powerful book go and read it god wants to be our dwelling place god wants to be a dwelling place here at fbc Will you allow God to be a dwelling place here by by remembering where he 's taking you from and, and and being in that constant position of repentance whenever sin and 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 whenever we sin and whenever we trespass against him, but also being activated in our heavenly position many of us have haven 't been oh my many of us haven 't been active in our seat that God has placed us in. What does that mean? It means that that in the seat that he's called you to govern in, in the seat that he's called you to pray in in the seat that he's called you to make decrees and make declarations over your life over your family's life over this church and over FBC over the global church over this, over England because you haven't been in your position you haven't been praying as you should you haven't been fasting as you should and God is reminding us in this season that it's time to return to our seat it's, it's time to return to that place of authority and to begin to pray again like never before and to begin to seek his face again Like never before. Why? Because God wants to be our dwelling place. God wants to be our dwelling place. I feel the presence of God. I don't know. And I hope that what I can feel in this place is hitting every home and every life that is watching. So right now, let's just close our eyes. Let's just close our eyes for a moment. Father, we recognize that we are helpless. We are hopeless without you. We recognize that we have sinned. We have done wrong in our thoughts, in our hearts, and in our actions. We have violated and we have disobeyed your law. But God... (laughs) But you stepped in, rich in mercy, rich in kindness, rich in grace to restore us unto you and to give us a position, my God, that is greater than us. Help us to go back to our knees. Help us to go back to fasting. Help us to go back to dependency on you. Because prayer is dependency on you. May we be a church, Father, both locally but globally. May we be a church that is dependent on you. That doesn't go a day without praying. That doesn't go a day without seeking your face. That don't go a day without worshipping and exalting your holy name. That don't go a day without reading your word. Father, because we desire, we desire to be your dwelling place. We don't want just—we don't just want to be a place that you visit, Father God. But we want to be your dwelling place, where it says that God lives there. That where unsaved will recognize that these are the people of God, and they will say they will come in the masses and just turn up in services because they will know that God is dwelling in this place. Let it be greater than the days of of, of the Book of Acts, where handkerchiefs were healing people where shadows were healing people where where the apostles rose up and said silver and gold have I not but what I have I give to you rise up in the name of Jesus may we begin to move in all that you've called us to be but most of all God may we be your dwelling place bring us back to you Lord bring us back to the heart of worship in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're just going to turn back to Sue and Sue's going to lead us again in worship. It's been a pleasure to be with you all this morning and remember please remember where God has saved you from. Remember his mercy and his grace that's available even now. His mercy and his grace is available even now. It's available in your home. It's available to your family. Why? Because he wants you. It's as simple as that. He wants you. He doesn't need you, but he wants you. And so he's determined. The Bible says that the lamb was slain before the very foundations of the earth. Why? Because it was always his desire to save us. And we didn't merit anything. We didn't do anything to deserve it. But yes, yet, the very nature of God. God is good. The very nature of God is he wants to have mercy. And he wants to demonstrate his grace all across the earth.